This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. Good morning, First Baptist Suffolk. How are you this morning? You awake? You good? Did you get enough carbohydrates this morning? That's putting you, making you a little sleepy this morning. The snow's there. You want some cocoa? Sit back, yeah. Some of you are probably sitting back at home and enjoying some cocoa this morning and nursing a fever or two or something like that. And so we do pray. This is a, an, inter, an interesting time in our, in our world, really. Um, my name is Toby, as Thurman said, and with Christ's Pregnancy Center of Tidewater, uh, I do have the privilege, privilege of having my beautiful daughter here with me this morning who no longer shares my last name because Noah Tate married her on June 6th of last year. And I'm, my heart's still trying to figure it out, but it's a beautiful thing and she's a beautiful woman and glad to have her here with me this morning. Also with me from the Crisis Pregnancy Center is uh, Carlton Farmer. Carlton, raise your hand real quick. There he is. Carlton is our uh, missional coach for the ministry. And um, you're going to get to know Carlton a little bit more over the next few weeks, but let me just say this because you might not know this, but the Crisis Pregnancy Center of Tidewater, like, it's all for Jesus and it's all about Jesus. So you're going to meet Carlton. We're very dedicated to our Lord and Savior, and um, you'll get a better sense of that as we go. Uh, Thurman and I did have the opportunity to get to know each other this year, and um, I am loving every minute with Thurman. Um, I, I get the opportunity, it's a privilege, that I've been around so long that I've, I've been in so many churches in this community, preaching and sharing and um, I will say this, that Thurman is that rare combination of a, a brilliant mind and a pastor's heart. And you don't know how blessed you are <laughs> to have that combination here in this church. So it's a joy getting to know you, Thurman. Thank you for sharing your pulpit with me today. And I wanna thank all of you, First Baptist Suffolk. Listen, you've been supportive of our ministry for a long time, um, allowing our parenting classes to be hosted here. You have no idea how critical it is. These parents don't even know how critical it is until they come in. They don't even know what they don't know. We cover everything from labor and delivery to infant CPR, and it is gospel-focused and there is so much that happens in those classes. Like the Lord is moving in a powerful way. I already know it in this church, but I know that I know it because you're allowing us to have these classes here. So we're, we're really grateful that you do. Listen, I'm gonna have to go fast because there's a lot I wanna share with you. So turn in your Bible, Psalm 139, if you don't mind, Psalm 139. I've got it up on the screen, but listen, you know, we have this privilege to have the Bible, the Word of God in our hands, on our phones, wherever you have it, but it's good to open it up and go through this with me, okay? So Psalm 139, and uh, if you turn there for me, Psalm 139, I'm gonna be preaching from verses 13 through 17 where that little child just led us just now. And so just let me pray real quick, and I just say, Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that uh, we could all gather and just take time out on your word, and your word is so awesome, Lord, that I come to it and 
um, just overwhelmed, Lord, because whatever it is that I, I would have to say this morning, like I, I can't even do it justice to plumb the depths of your word. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word this morning. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen, everybody. So Psalm 139, verse 13, I'll start out. And the psalmist says, for you, who's you? God, this is the advanced group, Thurman. You told me it would be, you know, and this is. For you formed my inward parts. You, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. So First Baptist, let me just stop there and say this. Let's just get the record straight right here out of the gate. Listen, your mama didn't make you and your daddy didn't make you. God made you and he used them in the process. You get what I'm saying? God made you and he used you in the process. Verse 14 says, I praise you for I am fearfully, and that word can also be translated awesomely. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And First Baptist, I would say to you, like, my soul knows this very well. It was August 17th of 2011, and uh, my youngest son, Sawyer, he was four years old, getting ready to turn five, and um, on this day, he was, he was sick, like kids do, kids get sick, and uh, earlier in the day before, he was sick, and so we came into the night, and he was just getting sicker as the night went on, and, um, you know, and, and he was getting like really sick. <laughs> His fever was increasing, and he was miserable. And, and if those of you who are, 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 are parents, you, you know what I'm talking about, this moment in the middle of the night where you have this, this, this tension point, like, do you go ahead and take your kids to the emergency room and get the antibiotics and get it started so you can just get on with whatever you got to do that week? Or, or do you wait until, you know, later in the morning when the uh, sick side of the pediatrician's office opens up and you can take your child there, right? Like, do you go now or do you go later? That tension point. You follow me? And so it's like one o'clock in the morning, he's miserable. By two o'clock in the morning, he's wailing. He's wailing. He's so miserable. So I told Karen, I said, we, we just, we just got to go to the emergency room. So we figured, go to the emergency room, get the antibiotics, come home and, and nurse him the next day. We got to the emergency room and um, we ended up not, not coming home for a whole month. We didn't know it, but Sawyer's kidneys, uh, they had failed completely. And they weren't coming back. And so instead of going home, we went to the ICU where he had his first dialysis treatment. And we wrestled with a lot that month, and I, I'm not going to get into all those details, but we wrestled with a lot that month. And came out of the hospital, he was doing dialysis at home, peritoneal dialysis, and when we first started out, it was like 16 hours a day, and we did that for two weeks, and then it got reduced down to 10 hours a day, and I'm going to tell you, going from 16 to 10, 10 feels like a breeze, and so every day he was doing dialysis, 10 hours a day, every day, all through the rest of 2011, then we come into 2012, he's doing dialysis every day going back and forth for a lot of different procedures. 
And then on March 20th of 2012, my hero wife, Karen, donated her kidney to him. Oh man, most churches I go in, the screen is not right in front of you. Um, transplant day is it's a beautiful day but it's also a horrific day it's a horrific day because I had since August 17th some days literally on my face on the floor and I'm a germ freak I was prepared for COVID way before it came way before it came I'm a germ freak, but I, I was on my face begging Jesus to heal my son and keep my son from this surgery, keep my wife from this surgery. So transplant day means Jesus, the father saying, son, you're walking this path. They're walking this path. And in his infinite wisdom and knowledge, we have to trust that. And so that day's really hard but it's also beautiful. There's so many beautiful moments about that day. One beautiful thing is he's gonna be untethered from the dialysis machine. The other beautiful thing, there's so many beautiful moments. There's this, there's this moment when Dr. Kalana over at Norfolk General Hospital, now in Norfolk Centera, I think they call it, Dr. Kalana, where he, he's there in the hospital with my wife and he removes my wife's kidney and then he literally escorts it over to the children's hospital and places it inside my son. Like that is a big moment. That's such a big moment that nurse Melissa comes out and she says, hey, the kidney has arrived and it is a, a big healthy kidney. <laughs> and listen, uh, and guys, you know this, like, I don't care where the part is, you, you never say any part on your wife is big, right? You don't, you with me? Like, amen, guys, we don't do that, do we? So here I am, uh, you know, in front of y'all and the rest of the world, wherever on Facebook, you know, telling everybody my wife had a big, healthy kidney. But the reason why I would make such a revelation to you is because it's important to the story because it was a very big kidney. He was stunted in his growth. He was only, like, at that point now he was five, but he was stunted in his growth with his, with his kidney that we didn't even know he had the kidney problem. And, and he wasn't growing like everybody else. He had a small frame. And you take this, this adult kidney and they put, they, Dr. Kalana squeezed it into Sawyer's frame. He squeezed it into Sawyer's frame and then he zipped him up and I don't think Dr. Kalana would call it zipping him up, but that's what he did. He zipped him up, he got it in there and look, it was so big and so tight for the next couple of weeks, immediately that day in the next couple of weeks, like now he was having liver problems <laughs> because it was squeezing things in there, right? But here's the thing. We are wonderfully and awesomely made. And my soul, to my very soul, I can testify to this. Because here's my son who has this big kidney in his small frame that it's shutting down his liver to some degree. And, 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 but this is what, this listen, 
This kidney, as soon as Dr. Kalana hooked up this kidney, I don't think you'd call it hooking it up, but as soon as he, you know, got the blood flowing and going, like this kidney, we couldn't see it with our own eyes at that moment, but the kidney started shrinking. And over the next few weeks and months, the kidney would continue to shrink and shrink and shrink until it became the perfect size kidney for my son's height and frame at this moment in his life. I don't think you're tracking with me this morning. I think the Cheerios are bothering the the synapses a little bit. Do you get how awesome that is? Like, we, we think we know so much, we know so little. There is so much engineering that the Lord has put in just in this one part. This one part that still baffles doctors. There's so much they don't know, even about the kidney. And yet it's so wonderfully made, so perfectly engineered. Good glory. Verse 15 says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Dr. Alan McFarland, a longtime mentor of mine, um, he's the pastor at Calvary Evangelical Church in Portsmouth. He says, you know, when God is doing something in secret, you best leave it alone. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth, and you know that's symbolic for womb. Verse 16, your eyes, your eyes saw my unformed substance. First Baptist, listen to this. Even, even as you were unformed, like God had his eyes on you, and not only did he have his eyes on you, as Thurman reminded you from Jeremiah earlier, he recognized you. He knew you. He knew you. Dr. Jerome Lejeune, he is known as the father of modern genetics. And he had a, he had a quote, I'm gonna read it to you, it's a little long, stay with me. He said, life has a very long history, but each individual has a very neat beginning, the moment of its conception. The material link is the molecular thread of DNA. In each reproductive cell, the, re- the ribbon of DNA, roughly one meter long, is cut into 23 pieces or chromosomes. Now listen. As soon as the 23 paternally derived chromosomes are united through fertilization to the maternal ones, the full genetic meeting necessary to express all, all inborn qualities of the new individual is gathered and personal constitution takes place. Then he says, to accept the fact, are you listening? To accept the fact that after fertilization has taken place, a new human has come into being is no longer a matter of taste or opinion. So get this, First Baptist. You are fully alive and fully human at the moment of conception, at the moment of fertilization. Like this is where science and Bible are aligned. And don't you get it about science? Science is always catching up to the Bible. Science and Bible are aligned. In your book were written 
every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. So not only did he know you before he formed you and he recognized you, but even before one day began for you, all of your days have been ordained for you. All of your days have been ordained. Every last one of your days have been ordained. And I know on this side of eternity, because I just gave testimony to it, there are a lot of hard days. And if you haven't had a, large, a lot of hard days, you probably will before this time ends for you. It is hard on this side of eternity. We're out of the garden. We're way out of the garden, but we're going back. But until we do, it's hard. It's hard on this side of eternity. But aren't you somewhat encouraged to hear this word from God? Somebody's so encouraged they're playing music in the background. Aren't you encouraged by that? That no matter how hard it is, he's already got it all laid out. And then verse 17, I'll tell you what, I could spend the whole morning on verse 17. And I don't want you to miss verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. Whose thoughts? Our thoughts or his thoughts? His thoughts. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. And so folks, listen, if you don't get it by now in reading this passage, you are so fearfully and wonderfully made. God is taking great care in knitting you together. He's had his eyes on you way before even one day began for you. He recognized you, he knows you. And not only that, as verse 17 tells us here, he's got a lot of thoughts about you. He thinks about you a lot. Listen, we're out of the garden and sometimes it can be a little confusing and, and, and we're so far out of the garden, sometimes we even question the existence of God. You feel so distant. But know this, like he knows you and he thinks about you. If I could get you one-on-one, -on -one, somewhere in the corner of this church, just for a few seconds, each one of you, I just look you in the eyes and I say, he thinks about you so much. He thinks about you so much. I'd say to you, Mr. Barnes, I met you this morning, I'd say, Mr. Barnes, he thinks about you all the time, sir. Ma'am, sitting right here, I'd say to you, ma'am, he thinks about you all the time. Yes, ma'am. He thinks about you all the time. Knowing clearly, knowing clearly that it's the Lord who knits us together and he's doing this awesome work in the secret, sacred place of the womb. It just begs a question. As soon as we bring up the topic, you know, we all get a little nervous. You know, as soon as Thurman said anything about row, anything after row, people get a little nervous. So we're going to start talking about the A word. Nobody wants to talk about the A word. It brings the whole crowd down. But it does beg a question that knowing just how much God is doing here, what he's done in you, 
how he's knit you together, how he thinks about you all the time. Like this work that he's doing in the secret, sacred place of the womb, it begs a question like, would we dare, would we dare interfere with him in this secret, sacred place of the womb? And you already know the answer to it. And the answer is, yes, Lord, we do dare interfere. We've interfered, as Thurman said, over 61 million times since 1973. Each day here in this country, we interfere with the Lord in the secret, sacred place of the womb over 2,300 times a day. And here in Hampton Roads, every year, every year, we interfere with him doing his work in the secret, sacred place of the room like thousands and thousands of times each year. The latest statistic that we have from the Virginia Department of Health, it was in 2019, it says in 2019, and I I know it hasn't gotten better since then because I'm in the middle of it, there there were 5,518 little ones who lost their lives in one year, one year here in Southampton Roads. And so numbers like, you know, I look at you, some of you like numbers, you've already, I've already lost you a little bit because numbers like, what do numbers mean? So let me put it in a different perspective for you. Like for every three babies born in Southampton Roads, one is gonna lose its life to an abortion. And so what that literally means, and I, I'm not here to, overly sensationalize this, but this is just this, this is about the nicest way I can say it. The Lord creates four, he knits together four, and we toss away one. That's literally what happens. First Baptist, we have disposed of life that does not belong to us We have interfered with God Almighty as he's doing that sacred work. And I have to ask you, like, and it's really rhetorical because I think you know the answer right away. Like, is this okay? Do you think he's just gonna like overlook it? Like, this is just okay to interfere with God Almighty when he's doing his work. You know the answer, it's not. This puts us in a position with God. It's It's not a good one. It's not a good position. And so that's why in this moment, we really need the gospel right now. Would you agree? We do. We do. Jesus is the solution for everything that ails us on this side of eternity. Everything. And he is for this moment too. So in the, in the remaining minutes that I have with you, I want to talk to two specific groups of people in this church. And the first group of people I want to talk to, I just want to single you out for a little bit, speak right to your hearts, would be those of you who have experienced abortion in your life. Maybe you've had an abortion. Maybe your girlfriend had the abortion. Maybe you're the grandparents and your daughter had the abortion. Uh, I know some of you are in here. I don't know you. Focus on the family has an old statistic, it's old, and, and, I, and I think it's much different now, but they reported at one point that one in seven women on the church pew have had an abortion. And I think it's more like one in six, maybe even one in five at this point. And so when I come to, when I come, like, like I, I get up early in the morning before I preach to you, and my, my heart is like, 
so humble before the Lord because I, I come to you in this moment and when I speak about these things, like I'm not speaking about these things so I can like rip off an old band-aid on a wound that you probably would like never to think about again. Like I am not trying to cause you pain and harm in this moment. Like I am, I, by no means, I'm not trying to bring condemnation and I'm not trying to bring judgment to you, just the opposite. And so this is what I wanna bring you and it's the most beautiful thing. And you, and you probably already know it, but Romans 8, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free set you free from the law of sin and death. So for those of you who have experienced this abortion this morning, like I come humbly and I come saying this and I know Thurman, like it's a big amen in Thurman's heart what I'm getting ready to say. It is not heresy what I'm getting ready to say to you. It's truth and the truth is this, like you've done nothing. You've not dug a pit so deep that our savior can't pull you out of it. You have not committed the impardonable sin like you're not so far away from the Lord, you can't come back because he's already like right there, right there. And so I wanna, what I wanna say to you as I read this scripture is very clear. This is what I say to you. I say, ma'am or sir, Jesus, he loves you so much so much that he gave up his life so that you wouldn't have to because of what happened to your little one. Recognize that, recognize what he's done, recognize him as your great savior. And then turn and run, like run after him, chase after him because not only is he your great rescuer, he is your king. And he is worth giving up your whole life for. And those of you who know that, are you in agreement? Amen. Amen. And so do that. And maybe it's not abortion that you feel like is bringing you 100 miles away from the Lord this morning. But whatever it is, know this. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. None. Maybe your heart has just been dead. Maybe in this COVID moment, like you don't, you don't feel alive at all. Maybe you have walked away. Maybe, look, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Turn and follow him because in Christ Jesus, there is grace. In Christ Jesus, there is mercy. In Christ Jesus, there is healing even for that wound. In Christ Jesus, there is freedom, freedom. Now for the last group that I wanna to talk to, um, I said two groups, the last group that I wanna to talk to and then uh, we're gonna wrap it up but don't think I'm ready to wrap it up yet but uh, for the last group, look, we, I know you want the wings and I know you wanna watch the game, I'm with you. Like we're gonna, we're gonna get there and, um, and I'm sure the temperature's warm enough, it's not ice, it's just a little wet. So we're gonna be good, we're gonna be good. But listen, um, before I go, I wanna to speak to this last group and. I got this word for you and you decide whether or not it's from the Lord, but I just wanna say this to you and I wanna say it unapologetically. This last group of people would be absolutely everyone who is in this room right now. Everyone who's in this room right now and absolutely everyone who's watching this online right now, like everyone, it's for everyone. 
And it's this. Intervene for your most vulnerable and defenseless neighbor. Do that. Intervene for your most vulnerable and defenseless neighbor. Proverbs 31 verse 8 says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. There are so many good things we do in a church. There are. We do good things, many good things. But I'm going to tell you, no matter what good things we're doing, if we're going to do all these good things and then ignore ignore the slaughter of so many thousands in our own backyard, that is not a proclamation of the gospel, it's an insult to it. Because these children, and and this is my opinion, so just test it out, think how you want, but I've been around about this for a long time, I'll I'll just put it out here, here's my argument. These children, I believe, are the least of the least of these in our community, you know why? Because their ultimate destiny on this side of eternity is a trash can. We are so woke in this country right now. Like we're woke, woke. We, we, we just wanna come and give a voice to the oppressed. But let me tell you how less than these children are. They're so less than that the mainstream won't give them a voice. And they're so oppressed that they're not even allowed to take their first breath of air. They're not allowed. I can't think of another group more oppressed. And I say, come to their aid, First Baptist. Come to their aid and intervene. Let me take it off of that topic, put it on another topic right now. I, was, I work in my home office uh, more now than ever with COVID, right? Um, but when I'm in my home office, I like my TV playing a little bit, just a little movement going around. And one day I was at my, my desk and on the TV screen, there was this news report that came on and I, and I watched this scene play out. And as I was, and it was on mute, I always have it on mute. And as the scene was playing out, I thought to myself, I said, you know, um, I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. So let me turn up the volume to confirm that what I'm seeing is true. So I turned up the volume. And unfortunately, what I'm seeing is true because what happened was there was this guy named Gerald Wright, and it was years ago. I don't know that you remember the story, but I'll never forget the story. Mr. Wright, Gerald Wright, he was at a convenience store, and Mr. Wright was shot outside the convenience store. He ran towards the convenience store to take refuge and get help. And as he pushed the door open to go into the convenience store, Mr. Wright expired right there in the doorway. That's where it ended for Mr. Wright on this side of eternity, right there in the doorway of the convenience store. And this is what happened that I just couldn't believe. Instead of people coming to Mr. Wright's aid, because obviously he was having a tough moment, instead of coming to his aid, what I kept watching on the TV screen with people, they just kept coming in and out of the convenience store. Mr. Wright's body is right there in the doorway. So they literally had to walk over Mr. Wright to get in and out of the convenience store. And I know I get it. Like I love Slurpees. I love chewing gum and I know it's important. We, we don't want to be deterred from our goals. But I couldn't stand what I was watching because these people kept coming in and they kept coming out. And the door, and look, he was imposing in in that doorway. And so it wasn't easy to get over Mr. Wright. So people would literally, people would literally have to leap over Mr. Wright to get in the door. And by the process of leaping over Mr. Wright, it would fling that door wide open. 
And instead of embracing the door from hitting Mr. Wright, they would not, and the door would just slam on Mr. Wright. So I'm watching this TV screen. I just see the door open and slam. Open and slam. Open. And I'm going insane. I'm screaming at the TV like I do when I watch the Redskins play on Sunday. I'm screaming at the TV. I'm like, good glory. Let me ask you a question, First Baptist. I know you want some wings right now, and we're going to get there. But as I share that story with you, does that at all invoke just a little bit of indignation in your heart? I get you a little angry? I'm sorry, I know you want to go, but I just want to hear from you in this moment. Does it make you a little angry? Then let me ask you this question. And I don't mean to wax so philosophical. But what really is the difference between the scene that played out with Mr. Wright and the scene that plays out every day right here in this community, when we know, maybe you didn't know there were thousands, maybe you didn't know there were 5,518 in 2019, but we all know something, we know about this, we know about the A word, we know what's going on. And the question is, philosophically speaking, what's the difference between all the folks that would leap over Mr. Wright and do nothing, and then us in this community that know what's happening and do nothing? What's the difference? I want you to do me a favor real quick, and, and you gotta go quick, because I know you gotta get the wings, but write this down for me. Just write this down. I don't want you to look it up. I just want you to write it down. If you got your phone with you, most of the time you get your phone with you, you can text yourself this right now. But I just want you to write this down really quick, super quick, and I'm watching you, so as soon as I see the pins get settled in, I'll say it, but I want you just to write this down. Please, listen to me. Don't look it up in this moment. Just go with this moment for me, okay? Just write this down and listen. Please write this down. Ready? Proverbs chapter 24, verse 11 and 12. Don't look it up. Please do not look it up. Just write it down. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 11 and 12. I'm going to recite it for you, but don't look it up. Ready? Proverbs chapter 24, verse 11 and 12. It says this it says, Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. And then it goes on to say, oh, glory, rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. But if you say, we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart, perceive it. That's Proverbs chapter 24, verse 11. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just recite it one more time. Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. But if you say, we knew nothing about this, Lord. We knew nothing about this, Lord. Does not he who weighs the heart, perceive it. Come on, Adam. There's no rock to hide under. The Lord knows you. He, he recognized you before he formed you. He knows your heart. He knows what you know. And so the question, the question is this. Knowing what you know, what have you done to come to the aid of your most vulnerable and defenseless neighbor? 
Maybe you didn't know about what happened in 2019. You didn't know that statistic, but you know something's going on. How have you responded? And you're like, oh, this brother, he's got no judgment for the first group, but he's got all the judgment for the second group. And I would say to you, no, I do not. I'm just asking a question. If the shoe fits, wear it. Wear it. But I don't bring condemnation to you either. Just the opposite. Listen, I get it. I get it. There's awareness that this is happening. But it happens in great darkness. There's no cameras. Like a lot of times with all the injustice we see today, it's on the news. It's in the camera. It's in your face. Like this is in darkness. You don't even see it. You don't see these little ones. You don't see it happening. You couldn't bear to look at it anyway. But it's in darkness, and it's, in, it's going in greater darkness. The shift in, in the abortion industry is this, to get away from the brick and mortar. And now where it's prevalent, where things are moving is online, abortion's online. So you go online, you click the ad, and then two to four days later, the abortion pills come in the mail, and you have the abortion at home. Utter darkness. And so you, you don't really see it. And then here's the other thing. I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt here too. Even if you have any awareness, you don't know what to do. Like, what do you do? So this is where I shut this down. I'm gonna give you three baby steps and a not so baby step. And, and I call them baby steps because absolutely everybody in this room can do them. And baby step number one would be this. The verse I ask you to write down, the challenge is for the next seven days starting tomorrow, when you get up, open that scripture. This is a 30 second exercise. Open the scripture, read it, and ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do? Because I'm not here to be your Holy Spirit. Lord, what would you have me to do? Baby step number two is pray. How easy is that? Pray, when's the last time you prayed about it? Pray for the mom, for the dad, for the little one, for the abortionist, that's the hard one for me. But has the abortionist dug a pit so deep that it can't be pulled out of? I've seen abortionists repent and come to Jesus and give up that practice. I know some of those abortionists. The gospel is powerful, isn't it, Thurman? It is powerful. And, 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 and at Crisis Pregnancy Center, we got a prayer card. Emma's here with me this morning. We got a prayer card. We send it out monthly. How many of you get our prayer card? Raise your hand. Tells me a lot. Yep, very good. Up in the balcony, thank you. I even see the hands on Facebook right now. Thank you, thank you. All those likes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, no, I'm joking. But I do see the hands that you have the prayer card. That means you're plugged into the ministry to some degree, and I appreciate that. We mail this out monthly. Has the names. Uh, we change the names for HIPAA reasons, but names of women, at least you see the numbers and the day the baby was due. You'd be praying over this list. Baby step number three. Um, Emma's here. Carlton's here. Where's the table? right back there, before you leave today, go to the table and fill out a response card, a rescue response card. And we got plenty of pens and pretty cards, we'll just hand them to you, fill them out. And you say, oh, this is where Toby gets me because then he's gonna put me on this mailing list, he's gonna fundraise me to death, and I'm gonna tell you this, we're not interested in spending a lot of money to fill your mailbox. We wanna send you the prayer card every month, okay? We send out two newsletters a year. And I'm not trying to get you because here's the point. If I'm gonna challenge you to intervene, how do I help you do that? And I'll tell you this, with no apology, if you're plugged in to the least bit in this ministry, you're gonna find out in a year's time where you can plug in. You got your time, you got your talent, you got your treasures. And to me, because between you and the Lord, it doesn't bother me whether it's a lot of that or a little bit of that, but some of that, do something, something with that time, talent, and treasure towards this. And if you, connect with this ministry, 
you'll find an opportunity. Last year in 2021, we served a record number of women. It has been so hot and heavy during COVID. And, and, and it's, it's, it's the hardest ministry in my 21 years, the last two years has been the hardest ministry, am I right, Carlton and Emma, that we've ever experienced in the ministry of Crisis Pregnancy Center in its 35 year plus history. Last year, we served a new milestone, a record number of women. We served literally 2,021 women in 2021. I mean, I can't make it up. Man, most of those women we're at high risk for abortion. And of those 2,021 women, you know, because they come in at that crisis moment and we'll stay with them, we'll keep, we'll hang with them the long haul, but a lot will fade out into the distance. We don't get them back, don't hear from them. So this number, what I'm getting ready to share with you, with the ones that we could follow up, and there are many more than this, there were literally, not 601, 602, but 600 women who chose life through this ministry. God working in the hearts of these moms through this ministry. Some of these moms, boyfriend was pushing them towards a abortion clinic. Some of these moms undecided. Some of these moms, listen, some of these moms already scheduled the appointment at the abortion clinic, but still came to us first and then changed their mind. I know of 103 women that did that last year. So I'm unapologetic and I already told you it's all about Jesus and all for Jesus. We're all about the gospel. So I'm unapologetic and asking you, just plug in, baby step. So unfortunately, I'll be able to know if you responded because I'll either see a line at the table or I won't. So, you know, I'm looking, just know I'm looking, be at the table and greet Emma, greet Carlton. Please, please just connect. And then here's the not so baby step. And this is where I close. And it's it's not so much of a baby step, but it's significant, well, it's so awesome. Right now, you host our parenting classes. These women and dads, moms and dads, they park in this parking lot across the street, and then they, there's the street. They park in the parking lot across the street, and then they come in, and they meet here, and they have their classes, and here's, here's the not so baby step, but it's an awesome opportunity. I'm asking you to now go and meet these people that come into your church. Go and meet these people that come into your church. And specifically what I'm asking for this morning is I want you, First Baptist, to form a missions team of 10 people, not eight, not even 12, but 10. 10 people. And come into the class for 20 weeks and help lead that class. We'll provide the instructor. You don't, know, you don't need to know infant CPR, okay? We're not putting that on you. We'll provide the instructor. We just want you to help lead the devotions, give them snacks, help them carry the material support they get that night to their car. What I'm really asking you to do is love your neighbor. Love them well in those 20 weeks that they're here. And then when those 20 weeks are over, my hope is, my prayer is, and that's, I'm, I'm literally on my knees some morning praying about this, that, that a relationship will be formed with that missions team and these parents, that when the 20 weeks are over, that the relationships continue. And that this missions team continues to have the opportunity to not, to just, to demonstrate the gospel and proclaim the gospel to these families. And then one day, one day, maybe, these families will be part of your family worship Jesus with you. That's the challenge. Carlton will be here 
on January 30th at noon after services. We're providing lunch. And um, he's gonna give you all the details. Look, even if you say, no, I'm not doing that, but you'd be interested in praying for that, at least come to the informational meeting and get the details, okay? It is not a commitment to come to the informational meeting. Look, we just went through Christmas. Amazon, they deliver the package, right? They deliver it to your door, all right? Crisis Pregnancy Center, we have delivered the package not only to your door, we've brought the package inside your door. That would be a little weird for me if Amazon came inside, right? Wouldn't you say? But in this scenario, it's good. Like we've, we've brought these parents and dads into your church and I'm challenging you to love them. That's not such a, that's not a baby step, but it's also not radical. I mean, right on the bulletin, it says that you're, you're looking to make disciples who make disciples. We're aligned. Let's pray. Lord God, I am so grateful for your word. Lord, you didn't have to give us Psalm 139, but you did and you gave us a sneak peek into this awesome thing that you do as you knit us together. And Lord, as I spoke, and I know, and I, I, I know it, I know it, Lord, that as I spoke, that that ripped the Band-Aid off of an old wound for some folks here. And so, Lord, I pray that Jesus would be the sab that comforts that individual's heart right now and that they would place their trust in you because there's nothing that they've done. There's nothing, nothing that your blood doesn't cover. And so I pray they put their trust and rest in you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We can't even process Jesus. The sacrifice that he's made. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you wanna spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia.